Welcome to the Midweek Social on All Villa No Filler. This week's guest is season ticket holder Richard Stevens. I've known this man longer than almost any other Villa fan in my life. So we're catching up today to talk about the highs and lows of supporting the mighty Villa. Rich, welcome back to All Villa No Filler. Thanks very much, Fran. And when you said that the highs and lows, I think it's mostly lows. Yeah. With, the, with the occasional high. Yeah. With the occasional blip of a high. Um, yeah. um, right, well, look, at this very moment in time, Villa are going through what I would say is very much a high. You can feel it in the fan base. You can see it on the pitch, the players, the coach. Can you believe how good it is at Villa at the moment? No, I think it's great. I mean, maybe just coming back to the point about highs and lows, when, you know, scrambling into sixth in the Premier League with eight <laughs> games to go is sort of an all-time high. It's, a sort of <laughs> it's not, a, that's me being a little bit facetious, but it certainly is, and it's not an all-time high, of course. But no, it's really good. I mean, I think when we spoke the last time, I can't remember when that was, a couple of months ago, and it was just as it felt like we were turning the corner and everyone was trying to sort of temper their enthusiasm and not get too optimistic or deluded mm. um, but no it's been brilliant I mean the fact that we are sick and even if every game was played and all the teams around us won we'd still be eighth it's remarkable mm. so no it's 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 brilliant I think that the best thing is well the two the two best things I've noticed in the last few weeks one is very basic that we don't have to worry about being relegated which is nice yeah uh, <laughs> so you're not sort of panicking every time we were playing as to you know where the hell will we end up but secondly you feel quite confident. I mean, the Forest game was, um, was well, we didn't play particularly well. It wasn't very exciting, but didn't really doubt that we wouldn't win. And the two of us obviously were together at Chelsea and there was genuine optimism, not just from us, but I think from many people in the Villa end that thought, well, yeah. we're going to win today. And that's that we haven't had that for a while. So yeah, yeah. all in, brilliant. Yeah, you, you mentioned that Chelsea game that we both went to uh, yeah. last week in the away end. Um Honestly, it, the the vibe from the moment we walked into the stadium in that concourse, the noise that was being made, right to the moment you walked out onto the pitch, onto onto the pitch, into the stadium, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, uh, right until the very end. And even when there were mo- moments in the game where Villa were under pressure, the fans just never ever stopped. It was really something i thought i mean what what did you make of that um yeah that away day? I, is, is it different to how you felt before there i mean i i haven't been to hundreds of away games so i i need to say that now so i, I can't possibly speak for you know what it's like every time but i have been to quite a few now um and I think it's generally more positive. Um, people mm. generally you know, tend to get behind the team a little bit more rather than looking for opportunities to moan or criticise. But I've said that before. That's how sometimes it can be at home. But yeah. of course, um, it's not all the time like that. But it, I think it, it was it was particularly positive and excited. Um, and it does help when you win at places like Chelsea. Um, yeah. But I, I just think it, it's great when... Um, I was speaking to someone on Saturday as well, um, who 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 I go with to to the games, and he he, he said his favourite part of the game is going into the ground or going up to your seats before kickoff when mm. there's that. Well, you know, anything could happen today. This could be great, or if we've won, coming out of the ground. And I think it was there was that feeling of excitement before the game, and then yeah. elation is maybe a strong word, but it was going in that direction afterwards, um, after the game, and everyone you know hanging around. Uh, to, to to clap the players off and generally just enjoy the fact that we'd won. Uh, mm. 
and that there was that I always like it when there are like little kids there who've seen something good yeah. so that their memory is not just <laughs> terrible yeah uh, and, he, and there was that I can't imagine who, who knows how old he was seven or something who was near us with his dad he was, yeah. he was loving it and I think um yeah that's that's what that's when you get that football drug you know drug is a strong word but that sort of hit of dopamine and adrenaline or whatever it is that comes mm. at the end of a football match like that so yeah it was really cool it was uh yeah it was just just a really positive vibe. i've been to a few away games you do yourself a disservice i remember you going to millwall away and enduring that was it a 2-0 loss was it or something? <laughs> oh no it was better than that i think we conceded in injury time right uh, yeah <laughs> Um, yeah. so yes I did go to Mill my brother yeah. and I went to Millwall I remember I'm, I'm going to throw my brother right in front of the train rather than under the bus because <laughs> he, he 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 left me to travel on my own and we both lived in London at the time so it's right. no big deal but I remember thinking yeah some some brother you are leaving me to the mercy of Millwall <laughs> those famously friendly Millwall fans yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> um, well uh, well look you know we talk about the vibe away from home and uh you're at Villa Park every week or every game. Um, how do you think the vibe's been there pretty much since Unai Emery took over? Yeah, really good. Um, because there's nothing to complain about, even even for the most sort of cynical Villa fan. There's very little that you can really moan about. Um, and, and to be completely fair, it's not like everyone in the ground is is negative um, at all. It's a long way from that. And so I think it's been really good. Uh, I mean, Villa Park has been sold out for every match for yeah. a few years, well, since we've been in the Premier League. So that, that's not really a barometer of, of the success we, we're having. But I think it's just great that the big thing I think is is, is that there's that feeling of um, we should win today and we haven't had that for a while. Yes. Um, rather than what, what the hell is going to happen? It's more, OK, we should win today or... If we're playing one of the, you know, the, the big teams, then we should be competitive. It, sh- it shouldn't be embarrassing, and I think that's the big, the big difference. And, and everyone can get on board with that really easily. Um, and I think the other thing is that, for whatever reason, this is not trying to sort of rake up or dig up old graves. But Gerard never had that bond with the, the crowd. No, Dean Smith did, but yeah. Unai does in his own way. And it's not just yeah. copying Dean Smith. It's a different sort of connection to the crowd. Um, but Unai has that. You can see, you can see how much he wants to win, and everyone wants to win. But you can see how much it means to him, how much energy yeah. he's investing in it, and that I think also helps to develop that relationship with the, with the crowd and everyone there. So it's good, and it's also he's really helped some of those players who unfortunately have been targeted in the past. You know, yes. Tyrone Mings, for example, who how can anyone criticise anything he's doing and uh, part mm. of that is is Unai but also you've got to give Mings himself a lot of credit to, yeah. to stick at it and Watkins as well has had a brilliant I mean stating the obvious but his scoring run is incredible um, mm. and he's another one who can sometimes get a little bit of you know criticism uh, which I always think is, is a bit unfair I mean what do you expect? So you're not going to, not everyone's Harry Kane or Erling Haaland. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so but overall, absolutely, it's been been great. Yeah, the number of players have improved. You know, Ty, you mentioned Tyro Mings. I think I genuinely said the other day, I was like, is he the most informed defender in the Premier mm. League at the moment? Like, he can't be far off it. He's just looked, it's not only has he looked brilliant just defensively, but also going forward is. You know, he's he's much more comfortable on the ball now, I think. He's not really resorting to just boosting it along. And that's I, down to Unai Emery's good coaching. He's telling him to do that. And obviously, he's now maybe got better options with Moreno there and Douglas Ruiz coming deeper or whatever. But we, it's, ju- it's just 
on the whole, the amount of players who have improved since Gerard left and Ian Raya came in, you know, McGinn, Watkins. Yeah. Um, just all around the board, really. I think it feels like everyone's gone up a level and there's no really weak players other than one or two who are still a bit inconsistent. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, it may be an overstatement. I and mean, we've been supporting Villa since the very early 90s. And I know it's very early days under you know, Professor Unai, as I call him. But do you think he may be the best manager we've had at the club in all the time we've followed Villa? Yeah, um, it, it, as you said, it, it's it's early to say, but you 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 would say based on the first six months or whatever it is, he's he's given himself a very good chance of being of, of being the best we've seen while we've watched the Villa. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said before, when we discussed this, Martin Martin O'Neill is completely different, but he had a similar sort of feeling about the what we were doing. There was mm-hmm. that. When O'Neill was manager, you expected that we would win against the teams below yes. us or and would be really good away and would be very competitive against the best teams. And that's what it feels like now. Completely yeah. different context and, and different in many ways. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that he, in our lifetime, but football's changed so much. I mean, you can't imagine Ron Atkinson being in the Premier League as a manager. Well, I don't want to, not for any other reasons, but just that style of manager, Brian yeah. Little, I mean, yeah, John yeah, Gregory. Yeah. yeah. They're just, you can't really compare them, I think. Um, but having said all of that and caveated it in so many different ways, I think he has every chance of being the, the best manager we've seen. Yeah, completely. In our time. He has he has that aura, doesn't he? That I'm not sure yeah. we really see. I think O'Neill had an aura when he came in. You know, yeah. his past successes at Celtic and Leicester, and he was a big get. But you just always felt with O'Neill there was. Um, I remember we used to talk about it all the time. Back, I couldn't even hear the conversations in my head. Like how it felt like Villa were really solid, but we, there was always just a, a bit of like is a bit of predictability about it sometimes, and I think that's what prevented us ever really breaking through into the top four elite really um it was whereas i think with emery you'd never quite know what you're going to get it's quite difficult for teams to sort of stick or twist against villa whether to press them or whether to sort of sit off and i think at the moment you're seeing teams trying to work that out actually which will be interesting with newcastle and we'll talk about newcastle in a minute yeah. um, but you know uh looking ahead to the summer um considering all the players that are in form where do you think villa should improve the squad how do they improve the squad? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm naturally quite conservative when it comes to transfer spending, whether that's my upbringing, I have no idea. But <laughs> I find it uncomfortable when I see us burning yeah, you know, same. hundreds of millions in the transfer market. And just yeah. bitter experience says at least 50% of this spend uh, will end up as a loss. Yes, but we will either be selling these players in a couple of years. They will, uh, you know, they will sit on big money contracts and then they'll go on freeze. And I think we don't. There isn't a sort of burning catastrophic problem. Before we had before um, camera came, mm. you would say we we miss someone who can sit and hold and clean up and yeah. and start things off. But he's done that really well. And in fairness. Douglas Louise has been brilliant since uh yes. Unai came in. And I, it doesn't it doesn't feel like we need to go and spend a fortune on a holding midfielder when we've got actually a really, really good one um who we picked up for free last year. So yeah. I wouldn't say we definitely need to spend money there. I suppose you could look at it and say, um, 
we need perhaps a bit of pace out wide. Bailey probably not quite yeah. consistent enough. Has moments where he's really electric. Um, but then we've seen Bertrand Traore come back and score twice in, <laughs> in two games. He plays in a different way. He's he's just one. I just think he's a brilliant player to watch. He's technically so gifted. He yeah. can think so quickly. But the way he finished that goal against Leicester, that was just him being you know, half a second ahead of everyone else around him to think, okay, if I just hit this first time, the keeper's slightly out of position and I'm going to be able to get it over him. It was just, it was just an instinctive, something, an instinctive thing to do. And I, I think that's what Troy Troy has brilliantly. He scored so many goals like that, where he shot just slightly early or from a strange position and the keepers just watched it. Mm. Was it against West Brom? This is going to be random ramble about Troy, but like, I remember he passed one into the yeah, corner. I think it was at West, West Brom. Brom. And yeah. he went in at like, third of the pace of a normal Premier League goal but it's because he took it when Sam Johnston was not set and so I think but my point of that ramble is whether Traore offers the sort of pace maybe that Emery wants I don't know or who, who really knows but I guess that the long to summarise what I'm trying to say is I, I don't think we need to go mental I'd be nervous if we just suddenly had a raft of you know signings coming in uh, we've sort of shown really in the last in the last weeks, well, more than last weeks, it's more than a flash in a pan. A flash in the pan. It's a sustained period of of doing well. That our squad's reasonably good. Yeah. We don't need to to start burning money. Um, so probably not the most exciting answer. I, I I don't see anywhere us having a gaping hole. What what we can't you know mitigate for is if one of our really big players left. You know, if if Martinez leaves, then of yeah. course we need a goalkeeper. But Assuming that the status quo remains as it is, then I would say um, reinforcements, some some backup in some positions. But we've got young players out on yeah, loan who've done exactly. great stuff. I mean, what's the point of having a, a loan system and a youth academy if if you know as soon as they look like they they could break through, we just go and sign some other players? It sort yeah. of undermines that. I mean, I was watching the other day. Um, it was Middlesbrough. I can't remember who they were playing. Um, it doesn't Middlesbrough, Bristol City, and Aaron Ramsey was so good. He was the best player. He was he, yeah. he was so comfortable on the ball, and you sort of think, well, we've got to give people like that a chance. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, yeah. So yeah. Or what do you think, Fran? I mean, your yeah. opinion is as, as valid as mine. Yeah, I mean, he's he's Ramsey's an interesting one, and I think the um, the players on loan will be interesting to see who I keeps around and who are at go to the US for the preseason trip and um I think one or two of them will most certainly be around the squad next season I think he'll um with their championship experience I, I think I think he'll back a one or two of them I think possibly a Roganum um as as a backup for Kamara and May and Aaron Ramsey Cameron Archer you know interesting to see how they they all do really um uh, and whatever he decides to do, I'll just support it because it, just, it yeah. just can't seem to get anything wrong at the moment. But um, also what I think transfer-wise is, you know, Villa have never really gone to that 40 million, 50 million mark, have they? Um, you know, like even Nottingham Forest did it last summer with Gibbs White at 45 million, I think. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Villa do go there for one player, maybe a Guendouzi or maybe a right midfielder in someone like, um, you know, Nico Williams at, Bilbao or wherever, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's actually more like what we saw with Moreno. Mm. Signed him for 14 million, a player that's not like massively well-known in the UK. Um, 
and has come in and has just done a very effective job uh, and probably exactly what Unai Emery wants. Um, I think he's improved a lot since start since he's come in and uh, just seems to get better every week. He has some vulnerabilities, but he also adds so much going forward that I think that's the trade-off that Emery, um, Emery wants, really. Um, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two signings like that, maybe slightly unheralded ones, players that were all yeah. a bit like, oh, who's this? Um, but actually just does the perfect job for what Emery wants. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I sit on it, I think, this summer. And Philogene Bidace as well, somebody else I've got to mention, he's been mm. doing well at Cardiff. So you just never know with the young kids. Yeah. You never know who's going to step up. But, um, yeah, you know, the next game, Newcastle, you, you'll be there. Um, yes. What are your yeah, thoughts so- on that? The two, two teams in real form. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's... Obviously, very difficult. You probably, strangely enough, when um, on the run we've had at the beginning of the season, if you'd have shown me that list of teams we played and said who's going to be the most difficult, you probably wouldn't have said Newcastle at home. But mm. it, it credit to Newcastle, yeah, you, know, you can't argue that they've barely lost a game all season. Um, mm. I, I think we might struggle. I, I hope I'm proved wrong. I think this might be also just me trying to keep my expectations realistic so I don't get. Just too disappointed. Um, yeah. But there's probably, you'd say, a bit of a cliche, but there's more riding on it for Newcastle than for us. We're yeah. in a sort of glorious position of if we miraculously scramble into Europe, wow. If not, well, we're setting ourselves up for next year. Newcastle are now painfully close to the Champions League and you know they, they need to they'll probably make it anyway. I would say on balance, Newcastle are the are favourites. Um but I think we have a pretty good chance. I wouldn't, you know, we haven't conceded at home for three or four games. Yeah. Um, and we'll make chances, I would like to think. I just hope we give it a give it a go, to use that old, as again, cliche. Um, mm. it, would be, it would be great if we can get everyone, get everyone going. The lunchtime kickoff, they're always a bit, it's a, it's a bit of a shame, I think. I'd love oh, this agree, game yeah. mm. to be a Friday night or Saturday night, yeah. something like that. Make it a great atmosphere. Uh, lunchtime is is fine. I'm also a bit sympathetic for any Newcastle fan. I mean, they'll be getting up about 4am to make it <laughs> yeah. a game, but the football administrators don't tend to think in those ways. Um, mm. Anyway, besides the point. Um, yeah, I think will be difficult. Probably anyone would say that Newcastle uh, marginally favourites, but that's a long way from saying that we're definitely going to lose. I think we've got a really good chance, and maybe the fact that we're a bit of an underdog will, will, will play into our hands again. We seem to have benefited from that actually for mm. the last few months of being hidden in mid table. Yeah, completely. It definitely feels like we've been a bit unheralded, and I, yeah. th- I, I think with Newcastle, they're just they're in excellent form. Uh, it's, it's it's surreal to say outside of Arsenal and Newcastle, uh, Arsenal mm. and Manchester City, if there were two teams in the Premier League you wouldn't want to be playing right now, it's mm. Aston Villa and Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a turnaround that is. Yeah. <laughs> Mere months. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, I, I think it'll set myself up for a big four here, but I think it'll be tight. I mean, the, the, both teams have been defensively very good. I, I do think Isaac is... Um, Isaac and Watkins are both in really good form, but... Uh, I do think that's going to probably cause us a few problems, but I think it's a big it's a big test for Villa, and in the end, I think it's probably good to play a team like this now on the good run we're on, just to sort of get a sense of like right, this is the level we have to be at next season, 
uh, where we want to go, you know, get because that's where Newcastle are now. They're in the top four, and that's what we have to aim for. So, sort of sets us where we are. Probably gives us an idea of where we are, and gives us an idea of what where we need to improve and how we can approach teams like Newcastle going forward. So, I'm I think either way, I'm just excited to see, and I really, as you say, I just hope we give it a go. Um, yeah, Mauritius is the midweek social. Uh, it's a bit more casual. Uh, so look, I want to ask you, as I ask most Villa fans who come on this podcast. How did you start supporting the mighty Aston Villa? Yeah, I mean, there was no start. It was essentially indoctrination from birth. So my dad is a Villa fan. Mm. My granddad is a Villa fan. My great-granddad was a Villa fan. From, from Therefore, Aston? All right to think that? Yes, my my granddad was born and raised in Aston oh, on right. Albert Road. So for anyone who's familiar with the parking areas around Villa Park. This is quite niche content. Uh, but yeah, Albert Road. He was born on Albert. Well, he, he grew up in on Albert Road uh, in Aston. My dad, my dad wasn't born in Aston. But I believe he was christened in Aston Church. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't born in Aston or christened anywhere near Aston. Uh, I was born in Solihull. <laughs> Jack Grealish territory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but so yeah, there was there was no beginning, there was no discussion. Um, it was just I, I truly cannot remember anything else um, apart from that sort of process of being indoctrinated to number one, see how the Villa have done, number two, see how the Blues have done, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. with, with opposite objectives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, very different to me with my dad yeah. being a, a, a massive Birmingham City fan, which is the uh, Still, I, I always say about him, it's basically he is Darth Vader in Star Wars and I'm Luke Skywalker. And at the end, I'll yeah. take the mask off and he'll say, I was right. As Darth <laughs> Vader says at the end of Star Wars. Um, really? <laughs> sorry, Dad. Uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no. So uh, also, you know, we've, we've got many shared memories of the villa. I've been to a lot of uh, yeah. great games together. I think we were Ajax 2-1, that win 2008, I want to say. Um, but... Memories wise, do you have a favourite memory of Sporting Villa? Yeah, it, it's quite hard actually. Um, I, I can't definitively pin it on one, and I haven't really thought about this that, that much. To make it easier and to make it more of an interesting conversation, I will take away from both positive and negatives any Blues games because right. they, they were either absolutely terrible or you yeah. know some of the greatest things ever. So just to move those to, to one side, I would say. The Derby playoff final was my favourite Villa game, if we take away any local rivalries. Um, the the fact that we've been on that run with Dino and with Jack and everyone thought we would win. I was there yeah. with all my family. The atmosphere at Wembley was brilliant. And then we won and got promoted. So I'd say that was, of all of the games, that was probably... I think about it now, the one that stands out. There almost certainly were some incredible moments. When I was younger, I really remember when it was the, the evening when, remember there was that dreadful um, accident with the Father Christmas parachute that yes. landed was, on the Trinity Road stand. Yeah, and that was the Villa-Arsenal game when we were yeah. trailing 2-0 and we scored three times in the second half. And Dion scored an in injury time. That was incredible. That yeah. was an amazing sort of and I'm picking out stuff where I was actually at not yeah. stuff that was on TV or from yeah 50 years ago uh, that stands out uh, I would say as well when I was a bit younger just that sort of 
something incredibly exciting about that. Uh, mm. not, not nothing to do with the, that terrible accident. I didn't actually see it. I was we were under the under the stadium because mm. uh, we were under the under the stand because it was at half time. But it was that that stands out in my memory of, of all the games. But I'd say the derby, yeah, playoff final. Yeah, the derby was brilliant. Well, I was there that day yeah. as well. It was because um, it just been the build up, hadn't it? And it was the fact yeah. that we were with two Villa fans, Grealish and Smith, and it always just felt like. We have to get back where we belong now, um, and you sort of felt like we had a competent board after the Tony, Tony Gier era. Um, it just, it just felt like the momentum was there, um, and if we could go up, we could keep Grealish and all that stuff. So it was just, just brilliant. I think the West Ham Grealish goal in that game as well. I mean, I, look, I mentioned him a lot here already, and the memories he gave yeah. to us were just out of this world. We were messaging each other after every game, saying, "What we were calling him the Alton Messi." You know, yeah, yeah. He was just, it just, sounds a bit tragic now. Yeah. <laughs> he just what he what he was absolutely yeah, he was. unbelievable. It's so easy to forget now. He's he's starting to show that form at Man City finally. Um, but he he was an absolutely incredible football player who did so much for Villa, and um, I I I still you know have a lot of affection for him. Really, I'm, I'm not, I know there's probably a mixed bag amongst Villa fans, but I I really do. Um, and he gave so many of those best memories. But I think. Yeah, for me, it's probably Coca-Cola Cup 94, Man United 3-1 win. It just felt like we beat a team that were invincible. Yeah. And to see Villa win a trophy and we haven't won money since, it's just uh, it was, yeah. it's very special to have been at that, I think. Particularly the old very Wembley good. as well. It feels like I was in yeah. a... Yeah. <laughs> gone in back to the future or something. Like, it's mad to think back on that now. But, um, you know, we talk about good memories and hopefully there's plenty more good memories to come. Um, so, you know, just as a sort of final question... Where do you think Villa can go under Emery and specifically this board as well? Uh, yeah, it's hard to come up with an answer that, that is both optimistic but simultaneously realistic. Yeah, because right. It, it, you could, be, of course, be blindly optimistic and say, you know, we should be aiming to win the league. But it's just, well, I hope I am proven completely wrong, but I cannot <laughs> see us ever winning the league in my lifetime unless football fundamentally changes yeah. what I think would be incredible is if we can by hooker by crook end up get a season in the Europa League or in a blindingly improbable scenario in the Champions League yeah that would be I think an incredible level of, of success I I I just I don't I don't I can't quite put this into words very neatly but there's part of me that thinks if we ended up spending a billion pounds and bought our way into the Champions League would it feel mm. so good yeah and probably the answer is yes I suppose if you were to ask anyone you know yeah. who I don't know a genuine Man City fan if if they really care anymore that they basically you know they weren't always this good would they yeah. care they'd probably say no um, so I think, but my gut feeling is I don't want us to become a sort of mega spending club. Yeah. And therefore for me, what I would love is that sort of off the pitch, we're seen as a respected member of the, the football community and also the local community that people look yes. at the villa and say, that's a club who's well run. That's a club that has the right set of, of morals and ethics and the way they do things, but they're also successful. Yeah. You know, that I, I hope that we come up with a system where um, 
we're able to be sustainable, that we're able to uh, not just be reliant on the, the sort of largesse of, of our owners to pay off debts, that you know, we're able to, 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 to be able to, to, to run profitably, but mm-hmm. be successful at the same time. And I think if, if, that, if we can then achieve that sort of like level of respect, um, if we're, we're running a sustainable way and we're able to, to break into some sort of European football, I think that'd be incredible. Yeah. Um, and that it was a feeling that, you know, that we, we, we're not just going to be a, um, you know, temporarily towards the top of the league. But then if something changes, we'll go plunging back down. Yeah. Um, I think that would be an incredible result. And all but, the, I think a lot of the foundation is there. I mean, yes. particularly off the pitch, what we, we're trying to do in terms of the, the developments of the ground, you know, what we're doing in terms of a, an academy. Mm. Uh, what we're doing in the local community, what we're trying to do in terms of spending less money and and, and trying to run a, as a real business and not just sort of fantasy football. Um, there's a lot there. Now we just need the results and they're starting to come. So let's see. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think everything you just said there, totally, like 100 million percent exactly what I think. Um, yeah. Uh, as if we're friends and have known each other a long time. <laughs> well, there you <laughs> Look go. At it. complete complete nerds talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the two of the coolest guys in Rosie's and Solly Hall many years yeah, ago. Exactly. <laughs> we did not have a VIP area for ourselves um, <laughs> but uh but yeah I, th- I think the 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 people or the, or the team that Villa probably should look at is maybe a Tottenham uh in the sense I think Tottenham were broke into that top four didn't it into the top six you know yeah and I don't think they had any I don't think anyone would have predicted they would have done that. I think people forget that now because they have been competing at the top of the mm. league for a while now. But it's easy to forget they were just they yeah. were not a, not that successful a club. Um, they were very similar part of the league to Villa and Everton, yeah. and um, they kind of broke through. And yeah, I think maybe that if if Villa are to sort of look at another team that has broken through without necessarily spending, you know, in the sort of Man City and probably what Newcastle will do kind of way. Top yeah. might, might be it. Um, but yeah, I think well run off the club, good and good for the community, academy, good ethics, good moral, all that stuff. It's um, it's just crucial to me feeling, wanting to support this club as well, you know, because um, I, you know, I do know a Man City fan who has stopped supporting City. So, right, fair enough. So it's, um, yeah, and I, I know I'm never in that position where I feel like I can't. Yeah, yeah. Follow so yeah, um, but Rich, it's been absolutely brilliant to have you on. Uh, no, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it, um, yeah. and really excited for this weekend and the rest of the season. So thanks very much, mate, and we'll speak soon. Yeah, we'll speak soon, and we'll have you back on the podcast again in no time. That was the midweek social on all Villa no filler with our guest this week, Richard Stevens. 